This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Hello and welcome to the show, where we talk about TV shows with our friends. Today, we're talking about The Last Man on Earth, episodes 4, 5, and 6. This was Eli's show that he chose, so Eli, without further ado, take it away. Thank you, Steve, and thank you, friends, for listening. We are now deep into our fifth show and the friends keep growing. Please share the show with a friend if you enjoy listening to us talk about shows with friends. And the show at hand is our first network comedy created by Will Forte, The Last Man on Earth. And as we dive into these middle episodes here, we are seeing a lot of the same themes and an ever-growing world and an ever-evolving story, yet I think we're starting to get the sense that the comedic devices, Will Forte is uh, really, well, we don't know who else is at this point, you know, writing and creating with him, but... Uh, the comedic devices are really um, staying true, I think, to the very beginning in the pilot episode. And so now what we're getting is just a deeper uh, look into uh, these characters, these central characters. And, of course, in these episodes, Steve, an expanding world, not only is there Melissa, but all of a sudden... Someone else comes into the picture. So before toddler. we toddler, before we dive into all of that, Steve, these episodes for me really establish, uh, in a way, what we've already been seeing, and I feel like watching these gives you a real sense of where uh, the arc of this first season is likely headed. And really, really establishes, uh, you know, Phil, Will Forte's character, his inability to just simply escape uh, his own, be it, you know, trauma or archetype. You know, we've talked a lot about this in the last couple episodes, but um, these episodes firmly keep him trying to straddle this line um, that he is not, not really able to do. So he's sort of a, a tightrope walker falling every few steps. It almost feels like in these episodes. So Steve, this is your first time watching these and on the heels of where we left off, which we talked about how like his humanity, his ability to keep coming back to Carol and showing 
that he really is a good person is ultimately what kept us watching. And these episodes are challenging then in a way on the heels of that. So I wanted to see what you're left with watching these episodes. Yeah, I agree that there's a real arc to these episodes for the character of Phil. And he is has to exercise his own worst enemy, you know, which is himself. And he does go to the precipice of that and takes you on to a place that you're like, Ooh, I hope he's not going to where I think he's going here. Cause he could easily, he's been, he's obviously been psychologically damaged from this experience. I think we've talked about how they show that sort of dark or realistic element. They keep that, underneath the surface in a, in a realish way in, in the midst of this sort of absurd comedy structure that they have. I think, yeah, they, what we left with before we got into these three episodes was, uh, this love connection forming this sort of sense of his inner good person. So then this, these next three episodes really challenge that from a place of whether he's, in this reality where it's just him and the two women versus when all of a sudden their world expands. And what I feel was really unlocked in this fifth episode, which was my favorite episode so far, if I had to choose one, was this, uh, what happened, Eli? What happened in this fifth episode? <laughs> what did wow. this, what did this show become? in ensemble comedy Mm, (laughs) right and it's it really transitioned into that and i felt like will forte not only the character of phil and everything that will forte brings to the table was really unlocked as he almost downshifted into this ensemble role Mm. to all of a sudden he's playing off multiple people and he just unlocked i just for me, whereas we talked about this, like I felt like Carol and Christian Shaw's character really shined in the first few episodes, and yeah, and in this in this one, I thought Will Forte really shined in in this arc, and January Jones really kind of came alive and was very likable, mm-hmm. um, and has been likable in this in a yeah. treat to kind of watch. But I I just thought with the introduction of Todd, which honestly like everything about that character was funny just from like the fast driving of the car when you didn't even know who was in the car was comic um, comical yeah uh, like, just this, like racing across the country and you're foreshadowing like, kind of like, <laughs> yeah they're trying and to then, paint him as sinister in these initial absolutely places. and then creating this foil to fill that is inherently just this beautiful nice person who's <laughs> just so grateful to be there and like is awesome and yeah. I thought I just I just thought, especially in that fifth episode, that as soon as Will Forte was in this place as the character to have to play off other people, he just went to another level. And I was like so on board with that and just thought it was so funny. So if we so if we start at four and just take it, you know, to the end of that with the guitar fireworks scene, it's like <laughs> it starts, you know, he's like because he's now 
more more intricate one-on-one scenes with January Jones. You're just seeing him work with a different type of actor and play off her, and, right. and it kind of builds to then this third actor, and all of a sudden there's four characters, and I just thought that really... Um, we've been in this dystopian thing where it's been primarily just Will Forte. Um, totally. And now it's really opened up, and it's, I think, become... Um, it got funnier for me. Yeah, it really allows us to... Yeah, as you said, when it's just the two of them or just him, um, we're so far from reality or relatable in a way (laughs) with either of these characters. And January Jones, like, in my mind, she sort of becomes all of us in a way. Yeah. Just like watching her face is Phil's like lying about Shawshank Redemption, (laughs) right? Uh, Just her face in those moments. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. (laughs) It really was a Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) Her face, like January Jones is all of us kind of in those moments that she's like, she just, yeah, she has no reason to and she has no way to sort of contain. She has no poker face. She doesn't want to. She just cannot. And it's just so funny because it really, you know, him against uh, the Phil and Carol thing, and they're both so ridiculous. And it's it not. It really a t- was a Shawshank <laughs> Redemption. <laughs> oh man! And I love like uh. you know they introduce Todd, and it's true. Like he really does uh, open it up and and add this like uh, ensemble dynamic because. His character is a new uh, character in this tiny, slowly growing world. And where January Jones is, she's very kind. And she's like, uh, there's, uh, you know, an honesty too, right? When she admits she's horny, just like she's not, uh, you know, sort of initially maybe what we expect in some ways, like this hot, unattainable, uh, blonde Mm -hmm whatever archetype she's actually very like frank and straightforward down to earth uh seems just very chill like pretty (laughs) cool person you'd totally want to know her right and then she is reacting to phil in the way that anyone who understood and saw just all of his silliness and absurd and uh mechan you know his his mechanisms and all of his prognostications and machinations that he does to try to uh, justify sleeping with her. But then Todd comes and he's so sweet and he's the innocent, right? At least initially. Um, He's just like this kind, sweet, unfazed by anything. Like his whole life has overcome trauma and maybe Mm. that's why he's like so sweet and nice and kind and uh, just so grateful to see other people and um, and so Phil now playing off of that, and that really leads us into, you know, six as well, of course, and what transpires there, but that adds a whole nother dimension, right? And so yeah. um, Carol is just Carol, and so anachronistic in her own way that their uh, meeting and clashes are hilarious and just really funny. Yeah, um, she she often just chimed in with a really funny joke or comment or thing like... And, yeah, and and she was, and that was appreciated because it just sort of broke up what was happening. Um, yeah, and it was sort of in four really impressive his sound logic. 
like <laughs> what he figured out to like kind of finagle the situation for him in a very uh um very ma- uh masculine what am i looking for here like it's just surface desires like just sort of like to satiate his masculine need is just sort of priority number one i feel like that the overall arc of these three episodes yeah did um a lot to strip that away so he really wound up after these three in a just different place in the kitchen with with carol and like um showing her the porta potty which was kind of like a great sort of evolution for him. And I have to say, like, I like it. I like seeing him overcome this thing that he, and in a way it makes me understand more why him being by himself for two years or however it was, and just getting so worked up in his head and being like, what feels good, what feels good, what feels good, you know, to kind of get through all of this. Like, Mm -hmm. For him to kind of do a 180 and be okay right away. Like, I almost feel like as sort of uncomfortable as the journey was to get here. Yeah. In watching him continuing to mess up or, you know, trip, you know, or fall along the way. Like, I feel like he recovered and we'll see what happens because it's Phil. So, (laughs) (laughs) clearly, but, but there was some endearing stuff when he brought january jones to the bar and introduced him to his friends that yeah. were balls and her just being like this makes a lot of sense like mm-hmm. and then yeah really she wants him to be yeah and then wanting to him have a ask her asking him to have a real moment and him revealing his feelings and then the just sort of flat out <laughs> rejection it's just sort of no and that i thought was an extremely funny moment like it's just sort of the tragedy here it's just like if it was just the two of them, she wouldn't be that into him. Like, and it makes it even more believable that she just kind of connected to Todd on a very like, yeah, sort of spiritual and inner vibe level. Um, and it's just, it was funny and agonizing at times and a little kind of like scary and suspenseful, like him processing his, reality of all of that mm-hmm. working out his feelings for her and like his new reality of now there's three people too in yeah in this space yeah it's fascinating i was thinking about that scene as well and that scene similar to some other you know episode closing moments i think without these final sort of buttons uh, you know, they are doing this thing where they take Phil like really pretty far out into like yikes territory and then they bring him back, right? Yeah. And this is one of those moments where it is like the most frank and personal we've seen him in quite a while and maybe ever. And yeah, the confession to Melissa of like what sort of led him to the state he's in is is seemingly really earnest and what I thought was fascinating about that scene is that ending, she is, I mean, in character, right? And staying very true to this character, just kind of, uh, nope, not interested. 
Cool, yeah. yeah. It sounds like a good matter thing to tell Carol. You know, like, very matter-of-fact, very honest, very forthcoming, very sure, very clear, right? And while Phil does have these moments of, like, frankness and there is something redeeming about this character that keeps us, you know, interested in him and the story, he vacillates so quickly that even his declaration of love for Melissa, which seems somewhat earnest in the moment, put in the actual context is absurd. Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. And up comes the mask right away. Like, and I, it made me think too of the scene in the pilot when he returns from around circling the country and putting up signs and he goes back to his little crummy, depressing <laughs> one bedroom apartment. And like they showed the flashback at the bar of his like birthday party. And it was like, right. Maybe some family, some friends, but it wasn't yeah. like he had like a love connection or a family. Like he was kind of just this loner dude. who was single. And like, that's, I don't know that in that moment, I kind of hearkened on that in a way where, um, he's kind of latching onto this notion that he's in love with her because she's like the pretty girl of his dreams, literally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there's a world where he is like really earnest about that. Sure. Right. And yet when she says no, and that beautiful little moment, you know, he's created in these very seemingly earnest and almost poetic words. When she says no and the record screeches, I think as viewers, we really do have to understand that like, yeah, why, what? <laughs> like, of course yeah. not. Like he just, this isn't true. This is still his fantasy. Exactly. Fantasy. That's the word. And that, yeah. And that is, I'm glad, really thankful we had our friends on the first episode um, because I think it was Ryan that uh, was really clear in sort of separating, you know, his fantasy world, mm. this like very misogynistic male macho fantasy from, you know, reality and, and Carol's reality. And, um, and this is definitely, I mean, I don't know that <laughs> we've had an episode where we don't get, an, you know, a glimpse of that coming back and his fantasy crashing into reality in that moment and that scene, we're kind of holding our breath, right? And then the mask comes back on, he pivots. That's what I was going to tell Carol, right? Which is with yeah. January Jones, that's his quick hide and pivot, right? Is like, <laughs> oh, I meant that for Carol. I'm a good husband, right? And so he pivots back to that. And we're left with this feeling of both like, wow, we got a little glimpse into Phil and into his life and trauma. And he's still the same Phil, right? Just, you know, crashing around in this new reality and trying to get, you know, <laughs> get whatever he can. And um, he's not having success. And... I think it is funny and ironic and, uh, you know, as we head towards um, the end of five and into six 
and you know just the full full arc of these but the end of four and really all through four you know it's phil's own doing right like yeah. Yeah. he he cannot follow the script and just simply have sex with this beautiful woman that's appeared <laughs> right and had he done any of that or not set up this whole elaborate firework laden <laughs> bed in public, like he would have had sex with January Jones. Like she yeah, what, was trying was to have the, sex for so long. <laughs> yeah. What was the final thing? It was like this orgasm brought to you by Phil, <laughs> whatever his last name is. Phil Miller. <laughs> Phil yeah. Miller. <laughs> uh, that's amazing when like Todd triggers it. He's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sorry. it's funny. <laughs> it's so great. And, it's just really funny. Yeah, it comes like back around, you know, in the end of five where he tries. I mean, he's g- seemingly going to try till the last, you know, second to have sex with January Jones and, you know, try to force this reality that he's in to not be true. But he <laughs> is the foil. Like he, like, you know, they bring in oh, yeah. Todd and uh, all this other stuff, but it's him. He's his own worst enemy. He's his own worst enemy, right? And so going back to the timeline where it turns out January Jones was like in Tucson driving around for a couple weeks, right? And so he's like left these signs, but no sign of where he is in Tucson, right? Yeah. And so he is is kind of his worst enemy um, throughout this as well. And this is – these – all these, you know, episodes, and especially in the end of four and five, both, we get these moments where it's like, dude, <laughs> you fucked this up. Like, <laughs> yeah, you could have heard he had sex with her. Fireworks were a good idea. You could have set off one every night, <laughs> you know, like outside, and then January Jones would have just shown up. <laughs> exactly. So it's when it funny. wasn't about when it wasn't about you just getting laid, <laughs> you know, like it's he's. He's like go to psychologically is this sort of frat boy man at a bar, like yeah, going home drunk, sort of gear. And it was cool to see that go to the scariest place over these three episodes, and then for him to kind of get through it. Because for real, in six, I was like, uh, please, like, you're not gonna murder this guy. Like, what am I about to watch here? Like, I don't want to not like Phil because he's you've teetered on being like, come on, Phil to like Phil to being like, oh, there's something in Phil. And then so to have it go on the brink where I was almost like, oh, okay, at least he's just going to leave him in the desert. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, which is which is effed up. But like, I was like, he's not going to murder him. And then, of course, he can't leave him because he is a good guy. And you're just kind of like, oh, cool. It was cool to to go on that ride in a way. And then, yeah. Um, for the moment of Todd, for Todd, like the appreciation, there's a lot of stuff. There's, I like it. I like little subtle moments in TV shows that take you by surprise. Like when Todd was like, he's like, okay, let's go. And Todd's like, no, like, let's take a minute here. Like, and he just made up that that was his thinking place. Right. We know that. But Todd wanted to like honor that and respect it. So then we sit there for that moment. I just, that was like a pleasant moment in television because I just wasn't expecting that little scene. Yeah. And I think as with all of Phil's, 
you know, deviant ideas and even some of the things he does. Uh, you know, we talked about all the ridiculous stuff from the beginning in episode one, but, you know, his continued uh, just ridiculous ness and ideas, conniving ideas of how to achieve these things. Through it all, we do get this glimpse of this, you know, kind, actual human in there. And I feel like as, yeah, as sinister as it seems at times, right, when we see him come back from that, um, there is something about Phil that is really true in a way and almost like his experience in trauma and constantly reverting back to this um, very like primal archetypal character is almost the most believable outcome from this, right? Mm. And I think if it wasn't set against these other characters and if it wasn't, you know, he wasn't sort of the main character and this comedic character that always kind of snaps back, we would be pretty mortified. And he is just a total ass a lot of the time. I love that part where Melissa's, you know, the end of five before Melissa comes out and they go to the bar where he's like, I am an ass. I'm sorry. And he is like, he's such an ass and Phil's going to fill, right? Like we've kind of learned. Yeah. Phil's going to fill. Carol's going to Carol. Right. And Phil is going to fill, but he is also going to come back from, he's going to go to the edge and not go over yet, right? Like, he's going to come back, mm-hmm. we've seen. And so that kind of is is fun and funny to watch. And now, yeah, as we were saying a little earlier, introducing Todd. So Car- Carol is, like, ridiculous in her own way, right? So yeah. their interplay is, as I think Ryan or Tim pointed out, this odd couple, right? So right. we've got that, and then we add Melissa, and that's kind of, uh, in a way, like a, a straight man relationship, sort of. And then Todd comes. And Todd is so nice and kind and sweet that he's like, like nothing Phil does. Like, he has no reaction. He's like, he is. And he sees right, he sees right through Phil's. Sees right Phil. through it, and he yes. loves him anyway. Yeah. And he's like, you know... He's he is rubber, Phil is glue or whatever, you know, like Yeah. So it's uh-huh. it's amazing and that comes to a climax, right, in six, uh, as Phil in this new devious plan uh is, you know, going to get rid of Todd by abandoning. Yeah, and him. The, and absolutely. And the arc or the structure of six was really great where he went to the depths, to the lowest point emotionally. Mm then to like the lowest point like kind of psychologically in a sense but he when he was first attempt to clean the pool and then was just breaking down crying covered (laughs) in like his own filth and having melissa is it right yeah come over and sort of apologize and be like you know what you said to me the other night i just wasn't being sensitive and him not being able to drop the mask that he immediately threw on with her in that moment and then Right, he stayed up all night, and that added to this believability that something bad was going to happen, in a sense, or could happen. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and so that then just the just bottoming out emotionally, but you know, kind of going to the end psychologically and then recovering. But you know, like really and hearing and almost gaining from Todd when he shared the mo- his like thinking moment, his like private thought that it was for Phil and it was about him being a good guy, really giving him what he needed that we've all seen as the audience, but no one's actually told Phil yet in the series that you're, you're a good guy and yeah. reclaiming his identity is that it's almost like he needed that right to clean the pool, to be nice to Carol again, to like, feel good about himself you know and and that was what was cool to watch in that final scene of six was just him in the kitchen what was he putting peanut butter on a pop tart like it's just like he's enjoying (laughs) he stayed up all night cleaning and he was happy to share that share his improvements of the home with carol and he was like i'm a good guy yeah i did it i'm a good guy like and it's just um that was nice that felt rewarding to me as somebody who's now watched six episodes of this. So like <laughs> let this main character feel good about himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough at times. And I think I said last episode, if it weren't for, you know, these redeeming moments and these glimpses of, you know, Phil's struggle to become a human again, to become, you know, a kind, caring human an empathetic, person in a world with other people that journey and you know his just vulnerability ultimately because he's i don't know that it's initially really intentional per se but he just has made such an ass of himself and has gone to the brink of being a horrible person and now come back seemingly and i think it's fascinating because it's almost like a um I can't think of a great allegory, but it's sort of like he he goes like super close to the edge and back. It's this, you know, this kind of rubber band, right? right? Um and it keeps stretching in a way over these, right? Mm-hmm. And it gets like so far out, like what is he gonna do to talk? You know, like these moments where he's He's close to the edge. He's close to really doing something shitty and being a fucking horrible person, right? And for the most part, it's just he says hurtful stuff, right? Like, it's just like he can't stop him. Again, he's his own worst enemy. And so he sets up that whole presidential grievance board moment, (laughs) which was really a funny scene, too, which led to him (laughs) then having to clean the pool because that's what was voted on at the end of all of that, which sort of saw that coming but it was also still very satisfying yeah in funny sequence but yeah he he he's reaching for straws right in this whole first six episodes he's grasping he's grasping shots this man who's like mm-hmm. been drowning emotionally and he was on the brink of killing himself right before carol carol shows up you know so it was it was uh I feel like this is actually in six his recovery of that moment in a way psychologically for himself. Yeah. And you mentioned that, you know, flashback of the birthday party or whatever. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, they don't go deep into his past really, um, in these, you know, first six episodes. 
outside of a glimpse here and there, a few things he says. But it is revealed that he was a temp. Right. And in, from that flashback, you can you can tell he had a lot of friends. You know, there was, like, he was being celebrated. And, friends and family are there, right? Yeah. And everyone looks nice and is smiling. Um, and I wonder, from these glimpses, you know, and then that trauma, well, you know, just take, like, the temp thing, because I think that is the one piece of information right. that really affirms the archetype um, that he's reverted to or has really um, cemented and we see acted out because, you know, we don't have exact ages, but we have approximate ages and to be right. a... Right, this is actually really interesting. Like, yeah. Really like, interesting exercise. Like, who Phil was before this series? Like, so he's a exactly. temp. So he's that... Nice guy who's there. Hey, I'm just helping out for the week. What do you need? Oh, you need someone to answer the phones? You need somebody to be on the computer? And but put he's in some like, information? I don't know. He's in his 30s at least. Like, he lives in Tucson. Like, his yeah, family why, why is in he, that picture. Why doesn't like, he have, like, a full career? Why yeah, like, how is he, why is he still a temp? Yeah. You know, like, and then in that moment, it's sort of like, oh, like, there's that moment where I guess he's telling Carol um because it's probably an early episode it's like she's kind of like oh it's like about to like dig deeper and he's just kind of like makes it clear like yep like i was a temp like i didn't have any career or right so it's almost like he went from being way. not that temps are in important or interesting if you're a temp out there no like you could be the most fascinating no person in yeah the world, but, no disrespect at all yeah but i think it went from maybe his feeling of he wasn't that important to now he's the most important only man on earth. Right. And we talked, uh, or we sort of alluded to that survivor's remorse, Mm. right? In the first podcast talking about the pilot episodes. And so now at the point we are, you know, having watched four five and six, and really looking back at all the little hints and evidence, this character arc, as absurd and archetypal as he can be, seems actually pretty realistic in a way, right? And that, I think, is really fascinating. And I love when shows start out so ridiculous and absurd And yet from the like eerily predictive, you know, setting and time of this, right, as we talked about in the first Mm -hmm. one, to now this really deep emotional character arc for Phil already. It's just amazing when shows that are seemingly like just a ridiculous slapstick Will Forte network comedy end up going on such an amazing arc and raising these deep, interesting questions about what it would actually be like to be Phil, to be this potentially, you know, sort of underachieving, um, still where he grew up, very like insular guy, and then be seemingly the last man on earth and then be thrust back into interaction with people. And think about, what we were talking about with January Jones, right? And that sort of end of five. 
in Phil's mind, like he probably in that moment is believing these words because he's probably never had the chance to say this to such a beautiful woman woman with a chance that she might be interested because there's only two men left now, right? Like (laughs) all of everything has such a different, um, such a different way that we can view it and lens, we can see it. And yet he still is like through four, five, and six, Phil until these final like moments of redemption, Phil is an ass. The yeah. things he says to Todd in five. The, yeah, and the scene where uh, Todd tells him about sleeping with with her for the first time and how like intense he is just listening. And that's where I'm like talking about how the ensemble thing like unlocked something for Will Forte. Yeah. Because that was to me his reactions to the scenarios to the scenes, what other people are saying, all super funny. The tennis scene, trying to go shirts and skins, just trying to do like everything to like position himself above Todd, right? And then even when he comes over as like the, hey, buddy, hey, bros for life, man, bros. And he's like, I wouldn't have it any other way. And then he's like, okay, yeah, we we did it. And he's just like... No way! <laughs> it's, it's like the stress and intensity in his eyebrows and his face, when all visually was just super duper funny. And <laughs> you know, we talk about this, and it is cool that this is our quote unquote first network comedy we've covered on shows with friends, because Fox has always kind of been known for the more edgier comedies of all the networks with the Simpsons and the family guy and just even their live action stuff, they've always kind of done a bit more of the absurd comedy stuff. And, and so this, um, they really kind of allowed Will Forte to kind of do his thing and create this world and get inside the, the head of Will Forte for his comedy here. Like, and, we talked about it with Tim and Ryan, our friends from the Dismembering Horror podcast, the other creative team that was working with Will Forte, uh, Phil Lord, and what they bring to the table as visual storytellers and just interesting comedic and interesting artistic minds in their own right. Uh, Miller Lord, like, what a great pairing, you know, really to kind of almost like be the rocket ship for Will Ferrell, Will Forte to, I almost said Will Ferrell, <laughs> Will Forte to just blast off in this. And I feel yeah, it has. And it's, and it's, and as we're now reaching like cruising altitude mm-hmm. and we finished episode six, it's like, I like it. I like it more than I did, than I did. And that I thought I would after awesome. six episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. The, that sort of rubber band effect and the way it flows and keeps us really, you know, interested and invested to some degree um, through especially Will Forte's character and arc and everything we've been talking about. And I love not only the place it's gone now, you know, with Todd and um, growing into an ensemble, Um, But I also just love what they sort of have 
started to cultivate here with these four. And I, of course, will continue to bite my tongue on spoilers. <laughs> you better. You um, better. And I certainly, uh, at the end, you know, and Phil's, what, ha- what transpires when he's unable to leave Todd or uh, do anything sinister and his, you know, pivot and re-engaging uh, ultimately in the community bodes well. And I think um, we get the sense that there could be continued growth for Phil uh, and maybe even coming around to actually having a bro now. Yeah. Right? Like, Which is good. It's healthy. These are all healthy, healthy things like, for Phil. Another guy to like bro out with. You know, it's like he has been so stuck in this resistant fantasy world and his own trauma that um, he's been kicking and screaming as loudly as possible, but he's there. And I think there is a great sense that through these last, uh, what do we have, five more episodes? Six more episodes, so we're about, yeah, about halfway. Through this next, you know, second half, hopefully we do get to see even more character development, even more relationship rapport. And given all the stuff that's happened, who knows what else? Of course, I think (laughs) by this point it's safe to say that uh, we are not confident that we've seen all the people left in the world. In fact, quite the opposite. Um, Yeah, So who knows? And... I like that, though, this one, um, you know, as we were saying, like, the the ending of four with Todd showing up, the ending of five with this, like, scene in the bar. Um, and then, in a way, six isn't as much of a cliffhanger, right, as sort of, like, some of the earlier episodes and sort of an entree to what may or may not come next. And I think that's important, too, is this sort of uh, kind of vacillation or difference um, in a cliffhanger that leaves us wondering, like, oh, wow, what is going to happen next? Or, holy shit, there's another person. There's another guy, you know, Todd is here. Versus when they leave us more, not a cliffhanger, but sort of a a new depth or a new facet uh, generally of Phil and of Will Forte's character. And so I think this sort of leaves us more there where we're like, wow, okay. We're, you know, hopeful again for his humanity and um, his character's sanity, you know, really. And um, that, you know, he, uh, Phil and Carol, really, you know, are and could be uh, a good couple. Um, and so I think it's it's a great place to, you know, sort of leave us and... Uh, yeah. I do think I am sort of excited to see what happens. There was an element, I think it was the second episode, where it was just Phil and Carol, and they were yeah. like, this is surprisingly tolerable. And like, and so like, I am exactly. sort of interested to see if it gets back. We get a little more of that, because that was kind of cool. Exactly, yeah. And that is totally, you know, what I was thinking of, is like, um, we're now in that spot where 
in a way, I think from like a show perspective and the sort of like pacing of episodes and story arc, we, you know, sort of like that episode had us like cruising into this next batch. Right. And this right. next batch was like, whoa, it was a roller coaster, <laughs> right? And now we're sort of like tick, 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 tick. But you know that when it's that moment, it's just a bigger drop is coming generally. Mm. And that's funny. I think this roller coaster metaphor that I just thought of, Steve, <laughs> is pretty apt because that is what this is, right? And instead of leaving us at the top, right, the yeah. precipice, we're yeah, just yeah. kind of – we're like, oh, okay. Like it's gone up and down and now we're like chugging. And um, yeah, I think it'll be great to watch this next set yeah. of episodes. Speaking of watching the next set of episodes, so we are going to watch episodes seven, eight, and nine. Yes. Come back. Good thing is they're all really easy. 22-ish minutes piece. Yes. So it's kind of fun and easy to... I watched two last night and one, you know, right before we recorded. It was it was great. And yeah. so we're going to watch seven, eight, nine. And we're going to mm -hmm. come back. We invite all our friends to watch seven, eight, nine as well and come back on our next episode and we can talk about it. Yes, indeed. Join us next time. We're excited to see where the story goes, to see how this ensemble uh, grows potentially again. Ooh. No ideas. Ooh. No ideas. <laughs> Careful. Uh, no Easy. spoilers. Easy. And Steve, we have seven, eight, nine, and then we'll probably do 10 and 11. And then maybe if we're lucky, some friends, even our friends Tim and Ryan from Dismembering Horror, might join us to wrap this up wrap it up and it would really be at that point a Shawshank Redemption <laughs> <laughs> uh, so join us next time folks as we continue The Last Man on Earth bye friends thanks friends hello friends and thanks for listening we just wanted to take a quick moment and let you know that we are really excited to be a part of a growing podcast network. It's called Connected Podcasts, and there are many other great shows on the network that we think you are going to enjoy. That's Connected, C-O-N-N-E-C-T-D, podcasts.com. Thanks for listening.